1: Welcome back in. You are listening to the September 14th, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag. A of podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. And we are brought to you by the folks at RotoQL. Start picking teams like the pros. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. And joining me today on the show is RV Nation alumnus, if you will. He was a senior analyst and editor in these stomping grounds. Co-host of the acclaimed number game, uh, numbers game pod, may it rest in peace. He picked a computer up from the ground up. Coupled that with his extensive background in finance and started coding all the way to the director of analytics over at RotorGrinders.com. From RV Nation to RG Nation, one of my favorite guests back on the mailbag, Kevin Cole. You can find him on the tweets at Cole underscore Kev. Uh, Kev, my man, week one is in the books. Week two is upon us. What's good, my man? How you doing?
0: Well, I'm just excited to have the NFL season back. I mean, week one, at least my impression of it and I think the popular impression was was a pretty exciting week. There's obviously a lot of scoring. There's a lot of intrigue out there with new quarterback options, other things going on, uh, new offensive schemes. So uh, it, it's going to be an interesting rest of the season, hopefully.
1: Yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see how these uh, narratives play out and how the the stat sheets kind of pick up here heading into week two. It was a great week one for us, Kevin. DFS uh, week one is in the books, and I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. If you had a bad week one, you know, it's just it's 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 the Ever so acclaimed getting-too-cute uh syndrome, as they say, right? The values are simply too good with the stale salaries there. So we're going to make sure you head into Week 2 making the right decisions as well as we get down for the team and player outlooks for Week 2, Dynasty slants, DFS rants, you name it. Kevin, before we dive right in, though, I want to talk a little bit about your new role as the director of analytics over at Roto Grinders. Now, obviously, this isn't a job interview, right? Because you're already the man in the seat. But talk a little bit about the great tools, the resources, the strategies as such over at Roto Grinders, what you envision for the path forward.
0: Yeah, you know, Roto Grinders has always been a great uh, community for DFS players. It was one of the first and then now one of the deepest lineups of content, whether it be uh, multimedia, um, you know audio, video, uh, written articles. obviously they bring in a lot of very experienced and, and highly uh, successful DFS players to provide content. And what I'm coming in for is to work more, uh, like you said on the analytics side to work with the numbers, do a lot of projecting and modeling for all the different sports. So what we're basically doing going through is, is uh, you know refreshing those, trying to add a little bit more of the, of the data science knowledge that I have behind those and then also digging through a lot of information that we have on past contests. We uh, collected contests from DraftKings and then also uh, some some contests and entry I- entry information from FanDuel. So it's going through those and seeing what insights those, those can provide for players going forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Critical information there. Sometimes the game within the game, as we call it, is not just about projections on the field or player evaluations. It's it's literally about game theory. So, just a fantastic slant on, you know, taking a look at the theory of the game and how you should approach some of these different slates because there's a lot of diversity in slate selection and contest selection now. So, really cool information there. And we touched briefly uh, last week on this show on the landscape of the fantasy sports, daily fantasy. Fantasy sports and now sports betting, Kevin. Talking a little bit about the marriage of fantasy sports and sports betting, and how one can kind of use segue into the other. So, kind of what do you what do you have in store for us there? You know, how can we kind of you know create that marriage, if you will?
0: Well, I mean, I think from a analysis perspective, obviously a lot that you're doing for either applies to the other. I mean, if you're doing sports betting analysis, especially if you're looking at uh, what what scores you're predicting versus implied totals, things like that, that can help you out on the DFS side, and then vice versa. Uh, what you're doing on the DFS side, analyzing all the different players, kind of rounds up into what you're doing in sports betting. I mean, i say sports betting has an appeal to DFS players, um, and you know, maybe a little bit beyond that because of its simplicity. Uh, but at the same time, I think DFS is now adjusting to that, and you see, you know, showdown slates or these one game, single game. Slates that are that are coming out on the on the different contests. So I think you're gonna uh, the different um, the DFS providers. So I think you're gonna see more and more of that going forward as the two things kind of go together. But whatever brings more interest to the sport, and I think as one kind of uh, legitimates the uh, brings legitimacy to the other. And I think sports betting, even though there's a lot of hemming and hawing initially about the fact that DFS was was legal and it wasn't, uh, I think ultimately benefited from the fact that there were a lot of people buying into DFS uh, to eventually you know get its legalization itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, you can't have one without the other. I mean, <laughs> you kind of alluded to it. One essentially is the other. It always has been, right? I mean, let's not who are we, who are we kidding ourselves with here. And I mean, I think the sharpest of minds in either industry, I mean, you're not going to find a sharp sports better that isn't taking a look and being mindful from a projection standpoint, the the sharpest of DFS minds are taking a look on, you know, early Sunday morning player props and how those might kind of influence some of their uh, decision making in in a val- vacuum in and of itself there. So, outside of the big picture, Kevin I know you have both feet on the ground over there at RG tell us a little bit about what you're working on expect to keep working on for the rest of the NFL season whether that's uh, from a DFS or a sports betting vantage point
0: yeah well I mean my big focus this NFL season has been building a model that at least gets initial projections out there which we then have a team uh, including myself that helps work to adjust those for all the different projections so so that was number one uh, working on automating more of the ownership projections, I mean we have Chris Jamino who's our main guy for ownership, but he's kind of stretched in a bunch of different directions so uh, for the nFL for some of the, the the smaller slates, hopefully we'll be able to automate some of that and then also going into the nBA season get get some of that going and it's really like I said this this weekly content, so it's a week on a week every week basis I'm going through and I'm pulling out some insights from past slates uh, I mean last week I was looking at stacking this week I'm going to look. Beyond just stacking on one side of a game, but on both sides of the game, uh, opposing team to see how, how that works together. And it's just trying to get people little edges there. And then on top of that, I'm also producing another article where I'm simulating uh, all these different stacks based upon historical matchups that are similar to what we have for the coming week. And then seeing range of outcomes, things like that, maybe pick out some stacks that people may not be focusing on. So I think that's going to be it, it's just grinding through that on a, on a week-by-week basis. And then also, I think we have some interesting ideas for how we can leverage together the ownership and the projections and upside, things like that, to try to find some undervalued guys.
1: Yeah, you talked a little bit about trying to gain an edge there. And I mean, let's, let's be honest, in today's landscape, I mean, the edge is getting razor thin. So if you're not on top of this, if you are not looking at this data that Kevin Cole and his team are putting out, I mean you're just you're just missing out. You have to be able to be on top of this in a razor edge type of environment there to keep that little edge as best as possible and you know play those probabilistic outcomes. Look, I am an RG sub, okay. This is something that you have to do. You have to look outside your own vantage point. I'm a Rotoviz guy. I'm an RG sub. There's a couple other sites that I'm out there as well. since we have Kevin Cole from RG, I'm happy to go ahead and pimp that. So you're going to have to marry a couple of these sites to really give yourself that edge. So make sure you're also, if you haven't already, make that marriage with a 30% discount to the Road of His NFL Pass as well through that NFL podcast homepage at roadofhis.com slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium content, and it also supports this very pod. You can also support this pod. Subscribe to and rate our show on the Road podcast radio channel, iTunes, and if you're a fan of this show and you want to sub directly to the Fancy Football Mailbag feed, do so. It takes hard work getting this out every week, so do us a solid and hit that rate button. And last but not least, we have the Rotoviz Patreon Club up right now, and you're not going to want to miss that. For just as little as $5 a month, you can get in there Sunday mornings. We're crunching all the questions that you have for the week, whether it's DFS, whether it's season-long, whether it's trades, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, grab a cup of co- uh, coffee, a cup of Joe, a beer I don't know what time zone you're in. Just get on over there with us and do that for just $5 a month. We have over 40 podcasts um, you know, throughout the month for this. So, again, uh, for all those on the ground stomping through here, go ahead and do us a salad. That's patreon.com slash And if you have any questions you want answered on the show, just email us, rotovisradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get that set up for you, Kevin. All right, let's dive in, fire up some of the QQs for the week. Here we go. Redraft PPR outlook uh, type question here. Can you talk a little bit about the usage breakdown in Tampa Bay for the wide receivers going forward? I have both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and feel like I don't know if Mike Evans is truly much more valuable than Godwin at this point or if Godwin was also a product of the Deshaun Jackson injury. I know I'm looking at a uh, one-game sample here in a game that no one expected to go down as such, but I'm wondering if this is a sell moment on Evans coming off a good game, since I also have Godwin and could potentially beef up elsewhere.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, I believe in Mike Evans and the fact that he's been a target hog his entire career. So I don't think that's something that you necessarily want to sell on. But I agree that we don't know a lot from what happened last week. I mean, we only had seven targets for, for Evans, five for Deshaun Jackson, and then four for Godwin. I mean, all of them were extremely efficient. Uh, you know, Tannehill. i mean not Tannehill. Sorry, Fitzpatrick was awesome, and you you can't really you can't really doubt anything that that he had done there. But moving forward, I'm just not sure about him. And we also have OJ Howard, who you expect to take a leap in his second year, who just had a couple of catches, but only a couple of targets. So I feel like it's going to be difficult for anyone but Evans there. So I'd still be holding on Evans because just cause he proved himself as the as the wide receiver one. And I think the rest of the guys there, I'd be a little bit more skeptical. And if you could, you know, sell off on a on a good week, that might be a, an opportunity to do so.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm of the same mindset there. I mean, this was a spot that nobody expected Mike Evans to, to, you know, it was one of those, oh, uh, we shouldn't expect good efficiency, but at the end of the day, volume is king, right? Mike Evans got his despite the, the cornerback-wide receiver matchup, so there there was a solid GPP for you fine folks out there as well. Uh Redraft PPR, so I listened to the repo pod, and I took the advice and blew my load on John Newsmith. Like everyone, uh everything else in life, I get buyer's remorse. Should I have taken the discount on someone like Ian Thomas instead? I just felt uh, better about John being the next Delaney versus a rookie tight end dart, albeit talented, being the next Greg Olson.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's the right move. I mean, we don't know exactly how these guys are gonna fill into to the roles, but you have to be much more confident in what someone who has a year of experience as opposed to a rookie has done. I mean, we rarely, rarely ever see a rookie tight end give a significant contribution. It's not as if there aren't other guys on the Panthers to take that target share away, whether it's funches or Morton McCaffrey or someone else. So I don't see a rookie being very valuable there. I mean, down the road we never know what what, what can end up happening, but it's not as if Greg Olson if this is going to lead to his retirement or something like that. So I think, um, you know, I, I think Smith is the guy. Yeah, he had a great athletic profile. He's coming. He's he's gotten some good hype. And in that offense, I think there's a little bit less as far as surrounding talent there or at least more question marks because you had someone like Corey Davis getting a lot of targets, but he wasn't very efficient with them and he still hasn't, doesn't really have a proven track record of, of taking in a huge target share and being efficient with it. So I would definitely go with
1: Smith. Yep, with you there 100%, Kevin. Now, if you were to rate your best and worst purchases you've ever made, what would that be? Well,
0: I'll start with best purchase. I mean, I think anything related to sleeping. So whether it's <laughs> uh, you know a good pillow, uh, sheets, uh, I have like a mattress pad that adds a little extra something there, uh, an extra fluffiness to to the mattress, so then you can kind of <laughs> sleep well. I think anything related to that, since you're, I mean, you're you're it's the second most time you're spending in your life when you're not waking. You're spending a lot of time sleeping. So anything related to sleep, I think, is always a good purchase. And then as far as the worst purchase is. um, I don't know. I mean so, so, some food related stuff. I mean I think anytime you buy one of those like pre-washed salad packets and put it in your fridge you might as well just just throw it out immediately cuz it's pretty much going to go unopened thrown out in two weeks from now. So I think every time <laughs> I buy that, I kick myself.
1: Oh, that's great. That's Those are perfect right there, Kevin, because I have a pillow that like wraps around my head. I forget what it's actually called. They actually have like a smaller shoulder version. Then they have like a, a larger body version and I have the smaller version and it's great. And it's got this little hole in the middle of it where like the, the layer buttons and then like you can fit your ear in it. So, you know, when you sleep on the pillow and your ear gets all muffled in there, well, this has a spot for your ear So even your ear, for crying out loud, can be comfortable. I don't know what the hell it's called, but it was definitely the best purchase of my life as well. And my wife, just the other day, bought one of those little boxes, like the the plastic containers of the organic um, spring leaves or something. And I said, I guarantee you this is going to go bad in the next three or four days. And sure as shit what happened, it went bad in the next three or four days. And we never got to it because we were too busy trying to figure out other stuff to eat on the fly. So there you have it, Uh, DFS. While I really miss the Thursday to Sunday in prime primetime slates, I'm actually having a lot of fun with these showdown and tier slates. Any pointers on the way to attack these? Uh, we just so happen to have one of the guys on here to actually talk about this, who has looked at some of this stuff. So what do you got for us?
0: Yeah, showdown is something that I looked at for, first it was starting with the NBA Finals and then some of the the MLB showdown. We found, I found some really good information as far as how you should structure rosters. Primarily looking at how some of these had, had actually performed. Now we're coming into the NFL season, so we don't have a track record on them, uh, but but we're going to see these more and more because of the simplicity aspect that I that I mentioned before of, of these single game slates. So what I did was for the first kickoff game, the Eagles and Falcons, that was a one million to first. It was a it was a really big showdown contest uh, at DK. So what I did for that was I looked at the composition of the different rosters as far as the quarterback, uh running back, one wide receiver, one tight end one for all these and the and the defense with these different rosters took the spread and the over under and then matched it against a bunch of different historical matchups thought of every possible combination that you could fit underneath the salary cap including using captain now cuz captain is part of it where a player has one uh one and a half times the salary and then also gets one and a half times the fantasy scoring so put all so kind of just threw all those together and then looked and said, okay, for the 100 closest matchups, I took the top five optimal lines for each one of those matchups and said, what, what did we find there? And what we ended up finding is that, you know, unsurprisingly, wide receiver one is the best captain. At least has been the most often used as captain with the highest scoring output. But then also I think a big insight is that quarterback is pretty important there. Uh, it didn't end up being as important on that Thursday matchup because both of those quarterbacks kind of, uh, you know, didn't perform so well. But I think going forward that, there were a lot of teams, you know, almost 40% of the optimal teams had two quarterbacks, quite a few had the quarterback in the, the captain spot, and really none of them had two kickers or two defenses or something like that. So that that's probably something to fade if you think about, you know, getting a little contrarian and doing something like that. So those are just some of the insights that I have, but there are a few articles, obviously, that I published over at uh, at Grinders that go through all of it.
1: Yeah, just fantastic stuff there, and uh, that was mostly the reason why I ended up with the Randall Cobb in the captain. And he wasn't the wide receiver one, but I thought, you know, a lot of Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, I don't quite know who the wide receiver one is, but I think if one of these guys is actually going to go pop, it's going to be Randall Cobb here. And just so happened to work. And I think I got up as high as eighth, and then all of a sudden um, Taylor Gabriel, which I, I just wanted to throw up putting into my lineup. But it was like, what the heck? I'm going to try to be a little bit more contrarian. And a couple of them got called back, and I never made it up to the top there. But uh, – Data like that, content like that is what you're after for these types of slates. Uh, The next one here, Kevin, is redraft PPR. Everyone is crushing on this Jarvis Landry usage, but I'm wondering if this was more an outlier. Josh Gordon was barely targeted. David Njoku wasn't quite involved. Same with Duke Johnson. Do I just need to buy in at this point? I see him on the block in a league, and I could use a wide receiver that is cheaper than the elite tier.
0: Yeah, I think... Gordon is just a highly unknown, even at this point. I mean, we're we're going quite a few years back when we're talking about when he had his real blow-up season. He gathered decent target share when he was coming back, but there was really no competition at all when we saw at the end of last season. So going into this year, I feel like Landry's usage is probably something you can believe in. I mean, he is taking a role. They talked about all offseason how he was going to take kind of your Antonio Brown type of role. In Todd Haley's offense, he was targeted down the field in the preseason and then we saw in this game uh he was targeted down the field quite a bit i mean his 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 a dot on the on his targets was substantially higher than what we than what we saw in Miami, so I think he's going to be used differently, and that probably means he's going to be getting a lot of those valuable targets and a lot of the air yards that everyone wants to see. So, I mean, I, I don't mind picking up uh Gordon if you wanted to go for him, but I'm just not sure it's going to be a value the rest of the season. I think it's going to be where you can make a few splash plays. Perhaps if you have someone like uh, Baker Mayfield ends up playing some, then then that that's going to be something that could get a little bit more interesting because Tyrod Taylor doesn't seem to want to force the ball down the field.
1: Hell, even I have to kind of eat the crow and, and buy into Jarvis Landry at this point. And, and I think it's not so much because of the Tyrod Taylor environment. I think there's a uh, a better chance that Tyrod eventually gets benched in the next three to four weeks here. I, I don't know. But I think the upside with Landry here can be realized even more potentially with the Baker Mayfield, getting them getting them down the field a little bit more there. So, yep, I'm with you there. All right, Kevin, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be?
0: I was having a little trouble with this question because I wasn't sure, like, if you don't have eyes, you don't have ears, you know, what can you hear? Can you see? Because the first things that came to mind were, well, maybe it would be interesting, you know, to be an airplane or something and be able to fly through the air and see what's going on from that sort of perspective. And then I also thought if you had ears, uh, you know, maybe being a seat in some sort of concert hall or something like that to be able to hear over and over again. But it it kind of matters the parameters of it. But those are the first two things that came to mind. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's actually solid. Oh man, can you actually imagine being a seat in a concert hall in like the days of Beethoven? I mean, at that time, I don't think there would have been any more, you know, anything more reputable, prestigious, or just in just darn right, just soothing to be able to sit and and be. So yeah, I think that's the way to go. Um, you know, I don't think you want to be a seat in a concert hall in like a little yachty concert right now. I think I might just throw up multiple times over and over again so there we go a seat in a concert hall in in like two or three hundred years ago Uh, dynasty there are a few contenders in my league that drafted ronald jones royce freeman rashad penny i'm rebuilding so i wouldn't mind offloading draft picks if in turn they can somehow use those to try to make another move for production this year are any of these guys worth early second rounders or maybe even early second and thirds? I do have Rex Burkhead. Is he a fair trade candidate for any one of these guys?
0: Yeah, I don't know about him being a fair trade candidate, at least at this point. I think I would wait for Burkhead to, to you know, after this week in particular, uh, assuming that Michelle does not come in and take that much of the, of the workload. I think he'd be a better player to trade off at that point. I mean, Freeman's the only guy, that you really see a path to immediate volume. Uh, a lot of the times for these sorts of plays, I don't necessarily like trading for speculative, you know, what may happen a year from now, what may happen down the road types of guys. I mean, you could say for Penny and for Jones that because of the draft capital spent on them, eventually they're going to get some usage and I, I think that's probably true. But who knows when that's going to be. So I wouldn't be looking to, to do anything early second but if you could get anything anything in the late second, you know, those are pretty much uh, worthless picks anyway for, for Dynasty late seconds or third, then, then I'd think about doing that. But otherwise, I'd probably just hold tight for now.
1: Yeah, and if you are going to go down this road, I mean, you can't do it the week leading in to Rex Burkhead having a concussion, then going into Jacksonville. Like, yeah, you, you got to pick your spots, and it's just not the spot quite yet. Uh, DFS, I know I'm going to start my builds this week with James Conner again, but Am I paying up the at the other spot and in flex as well? I don't think I'm going to use Kamara, but I have been looking at Gurley for this week. I just don't know if I need or should pay all the way up this week. Have you had a chance, Kevin, to take a look at any of the, the, the I guess, the texture the con- contextual factors of this week's slate yet. I know it's getting a little tricky. Uh, the pricing's a little bit tighter now, not too much. You know, we don't have the stale salaries here yet, but you know, there there seem to be some uh, some some pretty decent plays in the mid range as well. So, what do you got?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm the more that I look at the data that I've found, good looking through past tournaments, the more, especially at the running back position, I'm saying willing to just play the chalkiest guys, play 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 the guys that you're very, very solid and then build around it with some contrarian stacks when we're talking about receiving stacks with quarterbacks or things like that. I think that's kind of the way to get diversification, to get a contrarian lineup and then also maximize your upside. I mean, even if you look at large double ups and things like that, I mean, it's, it's a little bit unique to the last week and what we ended up seeing in the last week, but quite often the ownership percentages on running backs that you really just, you know, need to have guys like Kamara, guys like uh, Connor, are much much higher when you have higher buy-ins and when you have multi-entry. So presumably, you're talking about better DFS players there. Um, even though the, the the ownership percentages are high in some of the single-entry and smaller double-ups, that they, they're they're astronomically high in the other ones. So I think those are normally the sharp plays. It's just to, to pay up for some of those guys, and then a wide receiver in other places is where you can probably find some contrarian, some diversification.
1: Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I like to, I, I like to, I'm one of the players. I like to kind of start with a solid core and then diversify around that core. And I can tell you, at least from a running back standpoint here, I mean, see, and I, I haven't narrowed everything down here, but I mean, I'm going to be looking at Gurley tomorrow, probably Gurley if I'm going that high. I like Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey, based on his matchup with the depleted uh, middle at- Atlanta secondary there. Uh, and then, of course, James White, if this Rex, the aforementioned Rex, Rex Burkhead news shakes out the way it is, I mean, James White is probably just going to end up being a cash game staple. there just on targets alone, so that's kind of the core that I'm narrowing down, and we'll take it from there. Um, fuck Mary Kill, 2018 breakout dudes, Kevin. So uh, here we go. Here um, you alluded to some of the wide receiver in the last question here, so we've got some we've got some value here. Uh, Kenny Galladay. He was on the Monday slate, right? So his price didn't come up as high. Chris Godwin, we could potentially be without Deshaun Jackson. However, what p- folks that are following the scoreboard don't know is Deshaun Jackson only had 20 snaps, for crying out loud, right? Um, so Chris Godwin's there, and then Geronimo Alice, a lot of production on one target uh, down the field here, but you know, uh, you know, we Well, we'll take this from a season-long vantage point, because we know Geronimo's going into Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers might not play here, but if you were to FMK, these three guys from a season-long standpoint what would you do
0: yeah this is a tough one because i generally think of these guys more on the dynasty side um i think allison is probably the guy that well i mean maybe maybe i'll just maybe i'll 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 break the rules here as far as what the question is considered (laughs) and i'd say maybe in the real short term so 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 who who you want to fuck i was going to say allison is probably the guy just because i feel like in the short term he is there. Cobb is probably a little bit less. We, we just don't know what's going to happen with him. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, so, so you're going you're to gonna want to have him. Now, as far as how I view the other two, um, I guess I'm just, uh, as much as I love Godwin, I'm just not sure what his path is going to be when you have not only Evans, but like I mentioned before, Howard, Deshaun Jackson there. I mean, eventually, I guess Jackson gets injured a lot. Uh, they could start to phase him out. But I, but so so maybe he would be someone that I would that I would kill off at least for for, for this year. And then for Galladay, I you know, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna marry him only because I feel like he could be the best receiver on that team, potentially. And if you look at the contract situations for Marvin Jones, there's a potential out to his contract after this year. Uh, Golden Tate, I believe, is an unrestricted free agent after this year. So they could you know, if they see something in Galladay, they could start to feature him much more in the offense. So he would probably be the guy That I think has the highest upside of the three as far as becoming, you know, the wide receiver one type on the team.
1: fans Jeremy Hart wrote of his radio do you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league well of course you do but well, look no further and download squad QL the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters bench players and free agent pool now you may ask how does squad QL actually do this Well, I'm going to tell you, the app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS Leagues, pulling in your actual roster on your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you your player rankings each and every week, and it's also based on your league setting. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to squadql.com. Download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. All right, Kevin, jumping right back in here. Uh, from the ad here, now I, I know you are not much of a food take type of guy, right? Like you are a strictly business, which is a great movie in the 90s, by the way, <laughs> uh, type, of, type of foodie. So if you were to give in the full reign to redesign the food pyramid, the Kevin Cole food pyramid, what would it look like? I'd imagine like it would just be like a pill, right? Like if it was a pill that <laughs> you could swallow and that was all, that, that's all you would have to do. And maybe I might actually be I, – I feel like last year I had you on and maybe like that's what you said. Maybe that's my subliminal nature coming out. Did you say that last time we were on the no, show? No,
0: no. I don't think I've said that. I think maybe <laughs> Denny Carter or someone else has said that. No, I, no, I'm not going as far as that, okay? I just don't any sort of um, putting too much effort in uh, I don't quite understand. Like just like a good burger or a good burrito or a good whatever, you know, it can be cheap, it can be easy, it can be just as satisfying to me. So, you know, the food pyramid for me would just be like there would be some sort of formula into it as what's the easiest thing to do, because I'm just lazy basically. So putting in too much work into cooking anything, so it would kind of be the, the just the vast majority of it would just be what 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 takes like ten fifteen minutes to make if, if at home if you're making something or what can you easily just go get someplace else and then that just straight multiplied by how many calories you're going to get to satisfy you for the day that's about it so that's that's all I really care about.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the move way too often during the day. I mean, my wife as well, and we're always trying to figure out how to juggle all these things. We've talked about multiplicity, multiplicity in the past, cloning, teleportation on this show, trying to figure out how to get everything done here. the The food thing is out of control, right? Like we've got to figure something out. Like even even some of the home chef type stuff that you subscribe to, right? And you get three or four meals a week for you know, X, Y, Z, and these are great homemade meals that you can make yourself. And then you get them home, you open up the instructions, you're like, what the frick? I mean, like, this is going to take me another 30, 40 minutes. Like, this was not the point of the home chef stuff, right? Like,
0: Oh, yeah, that that stuff's the worst. That stuff's the worst. (laughs) Especially, I mean, we have we have kids and you you don't even get that much leftovers out of the thing so it's like I can't spend that time making it just for one night's worth of uh worth, worth of eating
1: exactly if you're going to put that much effort into cooking which you're you're already having to do anyway you you got to do it for at least 2 days maybe even 3 days because you got to get your bang in there you got you need you, you got to utilize those leftover trays uh we'll move on. Kevin, redraft PPR, start three out of Jay Ajayi, Chris Thompson, LaShawn McCoy, Randall Cobb, Chris Carson, and Adrian Peterson. A plethora of mid range options here. Uh value mining. What do we got?
0: Uh, you know, I think I think Peterson, you probably, despite the fact that he's not going to catch the ball that much, I think you probably have to kind of start him just for workload. I know that they they don't necessarily have the most dynamic offense, but they look pretty good last week. They're 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 going to be favored, I think, in more games than people suspect. So I think I think Peterson's a good option. I like JJ. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, I think that Thursday night game was a little bit weird. He kind of picked up in the second half. I'm hoping that he becomes more of a guy going forward. So so he would be another choice. And then last, I don't know. I'm kind of kind of conflicted here. I think I would probably have to go with with Carson over LaShawn McCoy just because I think that Buffalo Bills offense is going to be really, really, really bad. <laughs> and Carson seems to have a good grip in an offense that's not so bad. We're talking about the, the the Seattle Seahawks. They haven't been able to run the ball so well last year, but Carson seems to be the guy there. So I'm just going to choose those three. As far as when it comes to Thompson, he, he's, a, he's a, probably a better real-life player than he is fantasy player. Uh, you really need those big, big plays, which sometimes you can count on and sometimes you can't. And then Cobb, I'm just a little bit more... Uh, wary of his situation and what's ended up happening with him the last few years.
1: Yeah, fair enough, and I'm with you. Jay J. and AP, or AD, whatever you want to call them here, um, I put those two in And, you know, I'm kind of indifferent between Chris Carson and Chris Thompson. I think those are the the right narrow down plays. I might just split the baby and throw Chris Thompson in with AP in a game where you would expect from a game script perspective them to kind of be up on top there. And if for whatever reason they get inside the 20, AP does the running and then Chris Thompson hawks the the goal line carry. Maybe you split the baby and you get the production from the backfield there. Um, So, yeah, if not Carson, then Chris Thompson and agree with you definitely on the other two as well. Uh, redraft .5 PPR and six-point passing touchdown. Tyrod Taylor or Jared Goff? And which one do I sit between T.Y. Hilton, Nelson Aguilar, and Juju Smith-Schuster?
0: You know, I'd, I'm going to go Tyrod Taylor, I know, or Tyrod Taylor, if you prefer. Um, <laughs> I know that he looked really bad, but, you know, we have New Orleans. We have points that he produces on the ground. I mean, he was still a very strong option last week despite being so awful. So I, I think he's the guy that I would take. I mean, Goff, he can put up a lot of yards, but then again, they could be up by a lot and just decide to run the ball. They're thir- thirteen point, twelve and a half point favorites, depending upon uh, how you look at it. So, so those those would be the 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 two there. And you know, I mean, I don't necessarily want to do it. I, I think I think I like T.Y. Hilton a lot coming into the year, but maybe he's someone uh, we can wait and see on a little bit here. I, I think there's a there's a huge potential blow up for for Juju in the matchup this week against uh, against the the Chiefs. And then Aguilar, I think he's pretty solidly in there as an option that's going to going to see his targets. So Hilton, I'm just a little bit more hesitant on until we know what's going on with Luck, we know what is, what's going on with his ability to stretch the ball down the field. Uh, so he's probably the guy that I would sit.
1: Yep, with you across the board there, Kevin. All right, if you were to build a Shark Tank app idea that does not exist today, what would it be? You know, I'm, I don't really,
0: uh, I don't really watch Shark Tank, but I assume this is just like an invention here. So, you know, the one thing that annoys me more about—well, not not the most about Twitter—but I'm a big Twitter user. But the thing that annoys me is this category of, uh, "Hey, this food or this thing that millions of people like is actually bad." You know, like, well, why, why that take that comes out there? And some people, it's like over and over again. It's like I get it, bub. So so if there's something where I could just put an app in there where all food related takes where people are are actually specifically hating on something that millions of people like if all of those are just taken away are just wiped off so I don't have to see them and I don't have to tilt over them in the first place.
1: So it'd be some sort of algorithm built in like with a hate click meter, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And oh yeah, and see, and I knew you were gonna you were gonna go to food. Like it, you're always gonna land on food on that one, like a hundred percent. And and I'm sorry, I'm gonna add politics into that as well. Like just that's clearly not what I'm on Twitter for. So anyhow, uh, we've got DFS here again, Kevin. Who is this week's Super Saver under six K at quarterback on DraftKings and only give me a name that will repeat some Ryan Fitz magic? Thanks. That's not me, that's well, the
0: question. <laughs> this is something that, quite honestly, I have not <laughs> have not researched. Um, I don't know. We 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 might need to skip this one, honestly, or, or t- have your take on this. I haven't gone. I haven't dug through it at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, getting under the six K range is is tough, right? I mean. Uh... You know, maybe Sam Darnold is somebody I might look at. You know, I thought he was competent enough. I mean, but nobody nobody should ever be coming in, and I I know there was some tongue-in-cheek to this question here. And expecting Fitzmagic-type output here for that price or that price for a reason. But, I mean, I think if you're looking for a super, super salary saver, somebody like Sam Rose—I'm uh, sorry, Sam Darnold is there. I mean, it looks like Josh Allen is going to get the start. I mean, he's 4.6 on DraftKings. I mean, if you want to take the old FD, light your hair on fire type of approach, I mean, hey, what the heck, right? I mean, he doesn't need much. I mean, if he can just get one touchdown by, by arm or foot and get some passing yards, I mean, that won't be ne- negative, per se. But it, it's looking like you're going to live around the 6K mark, at least from a cash game perspective. You know, if you're looking at Jimmy G, Alex Smith, that type of range. So that's what we got for this week here. Uh, let's go into the rapid fire either or, Kevin, for week two. Here we go. All right, David Johnson or James Conner? Conner. Carlos Hyde?
0: Um I'm going to go with Derek Henry here.
1: All right, Conner, Henry. Uh, Tyreek Hill or Odell Beckham?
0: I mean, the Hill's playing well, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put pretend, probably the best wide receiver in the game, Odell Beckham, behind him. So I'm, I'm taking Beckham.
1: Brandon Cooks, Tyler Lockett.
0: I'm, th- I'm gonna go with Lockett here. Just we'll see what the shakeout is uh, with Baldwin going down. I mean, I think Brandon Marshall is probably gonna benefit a little bit more than Lockett, but I'm gonna go with him uh, over Cooks because I, I just don't know if you're gonna see consistent targets there.
1: Jordan Reed, who's not injured, or George Kittle, the darling. You know, I I do like. Kittle
0: quite a bit, but it may people may be getting a little too far out in front of it. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with Reed for now, but I know people are very heavily in love with Kittle.
1: Ben Watson or David Njoku? I mean, I'm going to go with Njoku, uh,
0: though I do like Watson quite a bit. Uh, I mean, Joku had a couple of drops last week. It, it wasn't great, but I, I think you just you just can't replicate the upside potential there than, uh, the, uh, with Ben Watson.
1: Has Pat Holmes done enough yet? For you to take him over Drew Brees?
0: No, no, he has not. Uh, in particular, not on the road. Although it's probably going to be—it's going to be a shootout with the Steelers. I'm just still not comfortable with uh, with underdogs, especially guys like Mahomes that we don't know that much about. And I know that Brees, depending upon game script, he may not put up the huge stats. But uh, you know, the Browns have had a pretty solid run defense uh, with Kamara in there. They seem to be—they're probably going to end up passing it quite a bit. So I'm still sticking with Brees at this point.
1: All right, take a favorite or popular movie, Kevin. Change one letter in the title. What's the new plot? What's it all about?
0: Well, I mean, I feel like I'm cheating here because you, you gave this to to me, <laughs> to me, because I wasn't thinking of anything. But yeah, Fight Club is one of my favorite movies. So you, you mentioned Mike Club, which I like, I like quite a bit as a. Uh, as a movie about, uh, millennials, uh, existential angst and just sitting, sitting at home on social media as opposed to actually going out and doing anything, just being paralyzed by. By fear, so I, I like that quite a bit.
1: Oh, the, that you took it to the next level too, because the, the 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 premise of it was a bunch of millennials and how they're going to change the world by with their their fingers, right? And, and and make all these ideas and actually not get anything to action, right? Which is essentially what we see every day. But I think you took it to another step where the Mike club doesn't even have to get involved in a person in a basement. Like the Mike club is so might, might to the point that that club is still. Within their own homes, within their own mom's basements, and they're still at home in their mic club behind their their respective computers, which which is the greatest irony ever. (laughs) Redraft PPR auction, I intended to go into the league with stars and scrubs, but couldn't pull the trigger on the prices up top and ultimately ended up with a super balanced roster because it's so early. Do I wait and see which cream rises to the top or start throwing out two-for-one offers already on high-target and touch-type guys?
0: Well, I mean, it all depends on the offers. I I used to be more of a Stars and Scrubs person when it came to auctions, but then now I've I've moved more towards spreading things out. So I would still say, say wait and see, unless you're seeing that the volume that you were expecting for some for some guys, just is not going to be there at all, or there's really no no hope. Then then you may have to to make something happen. But generally, if you're already if you're already disappointed with what's happening, you're looking to trade up. That probably means you 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 might be selling low. And um, I would only do one of those package options if you feel like you're getting really a top tier talent that people may be selling on early. And I just don't know if that's going to happen after week one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there as well. I don't. It's it's tough because you, you you do want to come in and enter the stars and scrubs, right? But like I feel like there's also a lack of humility in a sense in the stars and scrubs, right? Because you know it's basically saying I know who the stars are going to be, um, you know. And I think a more balanced approach it takes that humility and we don't know what we don't know and kind of gives you a, a little bit more of a chance to land on a few spots that become and jump from Tier 3 to Tier 2 or Tier 2 to Tier 3 and not putting so much strain on the $1 and $2 type auction guys at the bottom of your roster there. So, yeah, I, I know there's been a lot of work on that, but I'm with you there. I think kind of hold tight right now unless you are getting, you know you're getting that, that tier above. I think sit tight there and, and do what you intended to do. All right, last but not least, Kevin, you're sizzling, smoking, scorching hot. Take for week two.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking looking through here. I mean, this is going to fall into low, low probability, but could be some potentially huge upside here. I know it, it seems extremely strange, but I really like the way that uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins was being targeted by by Bortles. I feel like he's, he's a huge guy. We saw that Mercedes Lewis game last year. We had three touchdowns. So I'm calling a, a tremendously huge game from Bortles and uh, in particular throwing to Safarian Jenkins against the Patriots at home. Uh, They're a slight underdog, but I think they're going to score a lot more points than what people think, and uh, and then they're going to be on the board and maybe even helping people win some tournaments.
1: Yes, let's go, let's go. Um, I was exposed to Austin Safarian Jenkins last week. It didn't work out. What are you going to do? I thought it was a good spot, and uh, now you're going to push me right back on him for week two. So here we go, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag. I wrote his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. Again, if you have any questions you want answered on this show, Email us, rotovisradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotovisradio using the hashtag RVMailbag. Kevin, my man, many thanks for carving out the time coming on the show. Uh, What do you got for us in terms of plugs here? And uh, tell us where we can go to sign up for Roto-Grinders if we're not already.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say just, uh, of course, uh, follow me on Twitter at Cole underscore Kev. And then uh, if you go to Roto-Grinders, you'll find there's a ton of premium articles right there on the main page. You'll see a lot of mine when you click through. Obviously, they'll give you the option to sign up for some season-long content packages for for different DFS uh, providers. So uh, it's all going to be there. It's all going to be premium, and it's not like this is going to be front-loaded. This is stuff that's going to be coming out every single week. Lots of ton, a ton of great content. So that that that's where you go.
1: There it is again. Follow him on the tweets at Cole underscore Kevin. and please do not forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. And do not forget rotoviz patreon just five dollars a month do it gin and tonic do it i'm jeremy hart at fantasy Shoe. okay bye Thank you for listening to Road of His Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio and at fantasygumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on roadofhis.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.